Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. Well, hey, good morning to all of you. My name is Rusty, and it is really good to see all of you here. I, I feel I'm really excited to be here. I feel like I'm coming home. I'm also just excited to uh, finally bring you, bring you some biblical content to the preaching around here for sure. <laughs> That is absolute, and I know it, you know. I'm kidding. I really am excited to, to be It's good to be back. Uh, but I got to tell you, I feel as if I never left. I, I, I do because, because I, I've been gone. Like Pastor Ben said, I've been gone for two years. And literally every single Sunday for two years, 104 Sundays, Ben has called me every single Sunday. Rusty, how you doing? Just checking in. How'd we do this week, you know? Just, just, it just calls me out of the, just every single Sunday. You know, he's an amazing, amazing, just a man of God. I mean, how many of you realize that you have an amazing pastor? Do you, do you get that? Do you get that, really? Yeah, clap for him. I mean, Pastor Shane is awesome. He really is. He truly is an amazing, no, I'm kidding. Ben is, ben is a great guy. He's been a mentor of mine uh, for years and years. And he's really just a really good uh, friend. Like, like he said, Things are going great up in Lake Stevens. People are coming to Jesus. People are getting baptized. And, and it is phenomenal uh, to be a part of what God is doing uh, up there. And, and, and honestly, though, part of it, to be honest with you, uh, Ben has been a huge instrument in that as well, where, where his wisdom and his leadership has been, has been phenomenal. I'm so thankful for him. He is a great, great pastor. But I am honored to be here this morning. But, but one of the things that a couple of days ago, one of the things that I realized is I'm getting a little bit bummed out. I really am. And it's kind of like what Pastor Ben was saying. It's like, I'm getting a little bit bummed out. Because, folks, do you realize that we're in the middle of August? Like, our summer is just winding down, right? 5.30 service, they were shushing me. Rusty, no, 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 shh. Don't say it like it's not going to happen because I'm shushed, right, or whatever. But, but it's winding down, right? And I love summertime. I think it's fading away too quickly. But, see, I don't know about you, but, but, but typically in the, fa- in the summertime... What that means is if it's summertime, then my family is taking a road trip. Anybody else in here that you took a road trip maybe already? Maybe you're taking one later. Yeah, and, and we, have, we have four kids. We have a large family with little money. And so driving is just what we do, right? And then we call it a vacation, you know, because spending 24 hours in a car with four young children is awesome. <laughs> I actually pay to do that, you know. Yeah, it's, it's phenomenal, Right. Which for us, what that means is that we're going to pile all six of us into a minivan and drive to the spiritual mecca of Las Vegas. Just to hang out, reconnect, you know, get closer to Jesus a little bit, right? I mean, just, just enjoy the weather in Vegas in August, you know? I mean, I wait around here all year long for it to stop raining just so I can drive to Las Vegas in 110 degrees in the middle of August at midnight, right? I'm not bitter at all. I'm not, I swear, uh, but I am, you know? But see, I love, I do love the summertime and I really am sad that it's, that it's winding down, but I love the summertime because a lot of times it just reminds me of my childhood. It does. Where, where I grew up in the 80s. Any other 80s babies in here? Any 80s? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's called God's generation. I think that was the technical term for it. We didn't get participation medals. I'm just throwing that out there, you know. 
But, but 80s, were, they were great, right? And you know, one of the reasons I love the 80s uh, is, that, is that they had all of this transformation kind of thought process that, that, that they had back then where, where, you know, there were TV shows all about transformation. You guys remember Knight Rider? Remember that? Like, Kid was, Kid kind of transformed almost into like a personality, you know? And then there's, that's actually when the original Transformers happened. It was back in the 80s. And then there was also, uh, you guys remember that show, The Greatest American Hero? Oh, yeah. It was phenomenal. You know, I, I love that show, right? It was, it was fantastic. But even companies got involved in transformation. I don't know if you remember, but Fruit of the Loom uh, had this thing called the Underoos. Remember that? Yeah, I had like a pair of Batman ones. I found a picture. I think Pastor Ben actually had some Spider-Man ones. He had a beard back then, too. Always had facial hair. Sorry, bro. You know, <laughs> whatever. But see, but see, here's the thing. For whatever reason, I think there's just something inside of us that is kind of just drawn to this whole transformation thought process, right? Where I don't really think that really goes away, you know. I think we get maybe a little bit more realistic about it. You know, I'm not going to become Batman or, or whatever else. Uh, but there's something about transformation uh, that we're drawn to where, where, where there are things in our life that we would love to be transformed, right? Where, where maybe some of you out there, you know, you're saying, uh, uh, you know, maybe I'd love to lose a couple of pounds, right? Or maybe I'd love to have a, a few extra dollars in my savings account, maybe have a greater relationship uh, with God, right? I actually would love to be able to grow a beard. I would, except I'm Asian, and so I can't, right? And so, you know, just kind of these things, right? Where, where there just seems to be this gap between, between who I am and who I want to be. Look at this first verse here in 2 Corinthians 5. Look at what it says. It says, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And you know, when I read that, I'm like, oh, that is an awesome verse. That is a phenomenal verse, right? But see, sometimes if, if I'm really being honest with myself, I can feel as if I'm falling short. I read that and I feel as if, you know what, that, that's not completely me, you know? I mean, case in point, one of my greatest desires, and I've probably told a few of you in here before, but one of my greatest desires uh, is to be a great dad. I would love to be a great dad. I, I, my father was an alcoholic, and so, you know, for whatever reason inside of me, I could fail at anything. I could fail at, at pastoring. I could fail at, at business. I could fail about just about anything, but I never, ever, ever want to fail at being a dad. I, I just don't, you know, and I told you I have four kids. I think I have a, a picture of them right there. They're good looking kids. They, they're good looking kids because they take after their mama, you know, that's true. Uh, except wherever we go, we, we just look like the United Nations when we walk into place. We, we really do. I'm Asian. My wife is white. I got a black daughter, you know. Someone looked at this picture. He looked in the corner and said, what's with the Norwegian kid on the left, right? I mean, it's just like, <laughs> what's going on? And so, I, I, but this is my family and I love him, you know, and I want to be that dad that just wrestles with them and has fun and, you know, teaches them how to play Monopoly until they can just crush everyone, you know, world domination. I love to be that dad, right? And just to have a great time. Except when I get home from work, I'm not always that dad, right? Where sometimes, you know, sometimes I'm tired. Sometimes, you know, I'm being selfish. Sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm focused on work or whatever it is. And, and I give less of myself uh, to my kids, or, you know, I think about it as being a, being a husband. My, my wife, Brittany, you know, we've, we just celebrated 10 great years of marriage, you know, which is awesome. We've actually been married 12, but 10 of them were great, so we celebrate the 10, you know. And so, and so we celebrate that and whatnot, but I remember 12 years ago, and I'm standing with her, and I'm holding her hand, and I'm saying, baby, I love you, and I'm going to cherish you, and, I'm gonna, and I recite these vows, right, where I'm going I'm to kiss you, and I'm going to romance you, and I'm going I'm to, you know, give you cards all the time. 
Folks, I've given her three cards in 12 years. There's a gap, right? There's a gap between who I want to be and who I actually am. And see, I, I would venture to probably say that, that, that for all of us in here, if we were being honest, that probably might be true of you as well. That there's a gap sometimes of, of who we are and who we really want to be. Where, where sometimes it just doesn't seem like it always fits together, right? It's kind of like jumbo shrimp, you know, whatever. Airplane food, right? Apple care. Nice cat. Like all these things, right? It just, just doesn't fit, right? Or sometimes they just don't go together. Look at, look at this next verse. And, and by the way, we're going to get to the fill-ins in, in a second, okay? So don't get nervous. Uh, Jesus can speak outside the fill-ins, so don't worry about that. But, but look at this. It's Galatians 5. Look at what it says. It says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. And see, again, you know, sometimes I, I look at that verse, and again, it's, it's awesome, but at the same time, if I'm being truly honest with myself, I can look at that and be like, really? You know, have, have I really nailed my sinful desires, my sinful nature to the cross? I mean, I'm not quite sure I'm really there. And I've spoken to people, and, I, and I've actually probably spoken to some of you in this room, uh, where you said, yeah, Rusty, you know what? I, I, I totally get that. And I believe that, but it's not me. And so sometimes what we do is we throw our hands up and we say, what? What's the point? That if I can't actually get there, if I'm not actually there, then, then what's the point? My son, my oldest son, Reese, he came up to me just a couple of weeks ago and he said, Daddy, what's the point? I said, boy, you're 11. What are you talking about? You don't know nothing. You know, <laughs> what are you talking about? And see, what he was saying was he was saying it in relation to, uh, you know, I guess expectations that I might have of him. Now, before you, before you think that I'm the jerk of a dad and all that, let me just paint a little, give you a little context to what was going on, okay? Just a little bit. Because what was happening is this. How, how many parents are in the room, by the way? How, how many parents are in the room? Okay, quite a, this is a fruitful bunch, that's for sure. Okay, so here we go. So I, I'm talking with my, with my son, and basically, you know, when summer started, if, my, if your kids are anything like my kids, uh, my kids would, would just sit in the house all day long playing video games or watching TV all day long throughout all of summer. They, they would just love to do that. And so obviously I don't want that. And so, and so I decided that I was going to go and try to find some help. And so I go where, where most people go to find help, you know. I went to Pinterest, right? And so just trying to look at some things that I could do. And by the way, I have like a love-hate relationship with Pinterest, just to let you know that. Because if my wife gets a hold of Pinterest... I've got like a honeydew list like this long, you know? Like I might end up building a couch out of like pallet wood and mason jars or something, you know, just something <laughs> crazy, right? But there's also like some cool stuff in there. And so one of the things that we found uh, was this list that basically said, here's, here's 20 things that you have to do, kid, uh, before you're able to watch TV or play video games. And I'm thinking, this is awesome. This is of the Lord. You know, this is fantastic. And so I, I implement this, this structure and, and whatnot. And see, this, this would be fine for, like, your kids. Uh, but it doesn't work for my kids. You know why? Because they cheat. They do. Because they're little sinners. That's why. They are. And so what they do is they wake up early in the morning. They wake up at, like, 7 o'clock in the morning. And they knock out this whole list. And they're sitting there playing video games from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. And they're like... Daddy, I did the list, you know? Like, I'm like, dang it, right? Well, part of the list that they have to do is they have to write for like 30 minutes, okay? And so my son, he comes down, and, 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 and they, it could be about anything. It doesn't matter. But, but, but he comes down, and, and he hands me the paper. 
He says, Daddy, here's, here's my writing. Isn't it really good? And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, that took you 30 minutes? No, I didn't say that, you know, but, but I was thinking, you know, that I, I said, honey, I, I'm not quite sure this is really your best, you know? And he said, come on, Dad, I, I tried really hard. I said, yeah, baby, maybe, but, but I'm not quite sure that's really the best that you could do. And all of a sudden, he just throws his hands and he's like, oh, come on, Dad. I can't meet your expectations. I can't please you. What's the point? Right? And he's got all these crocodile tears coming down. Just instant. You know, just crocodile tears. I'm like, stop trying to manipulate me, you millennial or whatever. No, I'm just kidding. I, I didn't say that. But he said, fine. And he took his thing and, and he went back upstairs. And see, here's the, here's the deal is that I think sometimes, you know, we can, we can look at verses like that and we can act just like that. Right? Where we can say, you know what? I'm not there yet. And I've tried so hard, and yet what's, what's the point? And they can be demotivating. Except here's the reality, though, is that I truly believe that these verses can be motivating as well. Where sometimes, yes, we can stand there and we can say, you know, why do I keep trying to do uh, what I don't want to do? Or why do I keep doing what I don't want to do? Where it can be demotivating, but they can be motivating too. Where, where here's what's really happening. The Apostle Paul, who wrote, who wrote these verses, what he's really trying to say is he saying that, hey, you know, when you repent of your sins, when you say, you know what, I'm going to follow after God, that something supernatural happens inside of us. Where, folks, we don't just get upgraded, okay? It's not just like we just get to move to, like, 2.0 version of ourselves. What actually happens is, is saying, in the eyes of God, you are literally a new creation. That, 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 that sinful nature that once controlled us no longer does. That now internally we have the power of God, the spirit of God that is living inside of us. That's what Paul is trying to say. And those, those, are, those are motivating. That, those are awesome, awesome verses. But again, unfortunately, you know, I've been pastoring for 15 years. I've had conversation after conversation, again, with some of you who are just sitting in this room right now. Where it's like, great, you know, Rusty, I, I, I get that. But I'm still living with this gap. I'm still doing what I don't really want to do. And so that's the question that I think that we need to wrestle with this morning. It's this question of, you know, how do we stop that? How do we get this transformation in our life? And I think when you leave here today, here's what you're going to feel. You're going to feel like you're not alone. You're going to say, at least I'm not alone. Because here's the thing. The Apostle Paul that we just talked about, you know, he, he's a writer of, of most of the New Testament. He's a super theologian. He's an extreme man of God. I mean, this guy is amazing. And yet look at what he says in Romans 7.15. Look at what he says. He says, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. And so this morning, I want to look at that. I, I, I want to see uh, what this transformation process is really going to uh, look like in our lives. Where, where here's what you're going to figure out, that it's not a clean-cut process, that, that it's not. But you know what it is? It's actually a road trip. It's a road trip that we can take to become more and more like uh, Jesus. That's, that's what it is. And so I just kind of want to lay the foundation for this, for this road trip. And so if you'd like uh, to follow along, pull that outline out of your program. And, and we're going to take a few notes here. Because here's just a few truths about how transformation actually works. Okay? Here it is. Number one. Write this down. Transformation begins with renewed thinking. Transformation actually begins with renewed thinking. Where the problem is a lot of times is that we fall prey to stinking thinking. Right? We do. Where I have fallen prey so many times to toxic thinking. I, I, I really have. Where, where, where a lot of times, uh, at least for me, you know what it is? I tend to focus on the negative. I do. 
Uh, and it's not because I'm a Debbie Downer. If, if you know me at all, you know that that is definitely not, not me. Uh, but primarily it's because I want to I improve and I want to move forward, okay? Uh, but you know what that's created in me? It's made me very critical and unrelenting, where I am extremely critical uh, of myself. And see, folks, the Bible is, is clear that it says that you will find what you're looking for. The Bible says you will find what you're It's the reason why, you know, p- two people can wake up on, on the same day, look outside, see the weather, and come to two totally different conclusions, right? Truly. You guys remember just earlier in the week how it was, it was raining, right? In August, when you waited around for it to be sunny all year long, right? And so now it's raining in August, and maybe some of you woke up. How'd you react to that? You know, maybe you woke up and you're like, oh, it's raining. It's amazing. I love to hear the sounds. You know, it's going to be a little bit cooler today. That's nice. Maybe it's going to be so cold that we, we could make some soup. <laughs> It'll be good. Maybe we'll have a fire in the house. We can play some board games. We can hang out. And at the end of it, you know what? Maybe there'll be a rainbow. We don't like those people very much, do we? We really don't, right? Or maybe you woke up on that day and you're like, ah, oh, this, is, this is terrible. Why does it have to rain in the summer? You know, why, why does it have to rain on my day off? You know, well, what's the deal? You know, it's August. Come on, you know. At least maybe if it keeps on raining over the weekend and I have a barbecue, at least maybe, you know, my mother-in-law won't show. You know, whatever, whatever you're thinking there. And see, and see here's the thing. That, that we can go through life down if we want to, right? My job's too hard. My kids drive me crazy. My wife keeps nagging at me, whatever. Or you can train your mind and say, regardless of the weather, this is the day that the Lord has made. You can do that and you can say, you know what? God, help me to find someone to encourage. Help me to find someone to inspire. Help me to find someone to plug into. Help me to find someone that I can bless today. But you know what that boils down to? It boils down to a choice. Proverbs 23, 7 says this. For as he thinks in his heart, so he is. It boils down to a choice. Romans 12, 2, this is kind of the, the memory verse for this, for this message. If you want to, you know, cut it out, put it on the fridge, whatever you got to do. Look at what it says. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and, and perfect. And see, folks, all of us have this script that kind of that runs in our minds. It's, it's kind of a way that, that we see ourselves. Where sometimes, you know, it's, it's a good script. Sometimes we'll, we'll take it to the negative, though, as well. Where we'll say, you know, this is what I did in my past. This is, this is what happened in my past. And so because of that, I consider myself a, a, a failure. Or maybe because I messed up back then, you know, I consider myself guilty. Or I consider myself unworthy or whatever it is. And see, the reason why this is so important is because when we start seeing ourselves through the lens of this, of this script that it plays over and over and over in our minds, you know what it does? It limits our potential. It will absolutely limit the potential that you have that God really has and desires for your life. Where it can limit your career, it can limit your relationships, it, it, can, limit, it can absolutely limit your, your earning potential. Where again, folks, the truth is that, that if you start seeing yourself as any one of these things long enough... We eventually become what it is uh, that, that, that we see. And see, and see again, this isn't like a, a power of positive thinking kind of message, okay? It's not like Tony Robbins or Deepak Chopra or whatever, you know? This is, this is biblical thinking where we are to exchange the toxic thoughts with God's truth. 
I want you to look at this verse here in Romans. It says Romans 6, 16. Look at what it says. It says, don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey, to slave to, to whatever you think. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God once you were slaves to sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. Folks, Jesus himself actually said that we need to start with the renewing of our minds. I, I don't know if you know this, but, but the very first message that Jesus ever spoke to all of humanity, look it up, the very first message that he did, you know what he said? He said to change the way you think. I mean, this probably pretty, pretty important. Here's the second one, number two. Transformation, like I already said, is a process. Transformation is a process. You know, we, we love the instant, don't we? We do. I mean, I like instant oatmeal, right? Minute rice, Netflix, you know. We, we love, I, I love the instant so much that I paid an extra $5 to have like Hulu Plus Plus. You guys know what I'm talking about? I did. That's where you don't have any commercials, it is. One of the greatest decisions of my life, you know. It goes Jesus, Brittany, and then no commercials, you know. Children are like a distant eighth or whatever, whatever it may be. But see, instant is not the way that God's process works. It, it's not. Here, let, let me show you. Transformation is a path. It is not a door. Do you get that? Transformation is a path. It is not a door. A door would be like, hey, you know, I, I saw a door. I have a key. I turned a knob. You know, I, I, walk in and, I walk in there and bam, you know, I'm transformed, right? But no. The Bible never says that transformation is a door. The Bible says salvation is a door, right? Jesus said in Luke 13, walk through the narrow door where it's, it's kind of like a one-time type of deal. But it never says that transformation is a door, you know? It's not like, you know, we get this, this secret knowledge or we get this certain experience and we're all transformed and then we no longer struggle with sin or anger or, you know, listening to Lady Gaga or, or whatever it is, right? We, we don't, that's not the deal. Transformation is a path. It is a journey of doing simple things day in and day out. We're honestly, it's about creating habits so that God can change our heart. Well, the question often is, what are the environments? Are we putting ourselves in an environment where God can change our hearts? Philippians 1.6 says this. says, I am certain that God, who began a good work within you, will continue his work. Underline will continue his work. Underline that. Until, because it, it means it's a process. Until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Here's the third one. We're going to move a little quicker here. But the third one is this. Is transformation happens intentionally. That yes, transformation is a process, but it is also a choice. Look at what it says in Deuteronomy 30. It says, see, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. And you know what? I, I, I venture to say, probably you don't either, but, but I don't know anybody. And I've talked to a lot of people over the years. I don't know anybody that says, you know what? I just, I just need a little more death and destruction in my life. You know? You guys know anybody like that? No. And yet I would venture to say also uh, that you probably know people that have that in their life. And they've gotten there maybe by happenstance, but a lot of times it's because of the choices that we make. That we can actually have this because of what, we, what, what the choices that, that, we've, that we've decided uh, to do. And see, again, here's the thing. If you want God to, to kind of change you and, and transform you, sometimes we need to be willing to ask the question and we need to be intentional and say, you know, am I really putting myself in an environment where God can change my heart? You know, like, you know, am I attending services regularly, right? 
and you guys are here on like an 80 degree weekend on, in the middle of August. And so you're awesome. You're like the Marine Corps of Christianity. Okay. And so way to go and give yourselves a hand if you want to. I mean, that's, that's, that's awesome, right? That's great. But are you attending, are, are you praying? Are you reading scripture? Right? Not just carrying a Bible, but actually reading scripture. Are you serving? Are you giving? You know, Jesus said where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Or maybe it's, you know, am I sharing my faith? Where ultimately what we have to do is we have to say, you know, am I being intentional about moving in the way that I really want to go? When I was on staff here, uh, Pastor Ben led us through a book called The Principle of the Path. I don't know if any of you have ever read that book, but it's by a, um, a guy named Andy Stanley, and it's a phenomenal book. Uh, but in that book, uh, he says this, he says, direction always determines our destination. He says, direction always determines our destination. Where, where here's the thing, if you want to close that gap, right, if you want to become that father, if you want to become that husband, if you want to, you know, maybe uh, kick that addiction or, or get that degree or, or, or handle money better, whatever it is, Stanley says that we have to set off in a direction that will get you there, right? Where folks just, just hoping more about it. You know, just, just wanting it even more or, or, or just, you know, even, even wishing or even, even praying really, really hard about it doesn't mean that it's actually going to happen. And now, yes, of course, you know, sometimes I get in trouble for saying stuff like that. But, but, but it's true. You know, I totally believe in prayer. Absolutely. I, I, think, it's, I think it's necessary and, and, and phenomenal. But here's the thing. Here's what I'd tell you. Folks, don't over-spiritualize one thing that God says and negate the rest of the things that God says. Where we sometimes, we will over-spiritualize and say, oh, no, we need to pray. Yes, you do. But at the same time, God's also said that you are to make plans and submit them unto me. Right? That we are to be intentional about our, about our growth and about where we want to go in life. Where God has us that he wants us to go. Here's number four. Last one. The goal of transformation is progress. It's not perfection. Folks, the goal of transformation is progress. It is not perfection. Charlie Shedd, he's a, he's a Christian writer and he's a speaker. Uh, he wrote this, he wrote this, I thought, it was, I thought it was funny. He says, before I had kids, I used to travel across the country speaking a lecture that I called the Ten Commandments for Raising Perfect Children. You caught the before he had kids part, right? You caught that, yeah. After he and his wife had their first child, he changed it to Ten Hints for Parents. After they had their second child, he changed it to 10 tentative suggestions for fellow strugglers. <laughs> After he had their third child, uh, he said he gave up speaking on the subject altogether. True story. It's great. I loved it. I thought it was great. But see, none of us are going to be perfect. But see, when you look at your, at your life and you see the gaps, right, between, between the who I am and the who I really want to be, sometimes, folks, again, we need to be willing to ask ourselves the tough questions. One of those questions is, am I truly moving forward? That we have to be willing to evaluate, am I really moving forward? Where, where, where it doesn't always have to be negative. It could be positive as well. Where, you know, you take it as being a husband, you know, you know maybe you're still frustrated with the husband that you are, but you can honestly say, hey, at least I'm, I'm better than I was a year ago, right? Or maybe, hey, you know, I'm not that good at, I'm still not that good at forgiving people, but hey, at least I do it quicker than I did a year ago. You know, I, you know I'm, not, I'm not as self, I, I'm more selfless than I was, I give more, whatever, at least I do it better than I did a year ago, right? Where folks, sometimes, you know, we, we have to be willing to examine ourselves. A few years back, uh, my wife and I, my family and I, we were living in Duval, uh, is when we planted the Duval, Timberlake Duval out there. And, and we had gotten into a little bit of a, a little discussion, 
Anybody else in here ever got into a discussion? Anybody got into a discussion this morning? In the car, on the way to church? Now you're smiling. You're not holding hands, but you're smiling, right? Yeah, you get it. Don't, yeah, okay, I get you. So, so we got into a little discussion. Except, except this particular little discussion, you know how long it lasted? It lasted for two weeks. That's a big discussion, right? But it, and, and I don't know, man, I don't know about you, but, but after like a day or, or whatever, you know, I, I can't function anymore, okay? Like I, I'm so locked into my wife and I, we got to get this right and all that, that I truly cannot function. And so for two weeks, if that's for me, then, then man, I'm, I'm lost, you know, I'm really lost. But, and so we were in this intense fellowship for, for two, diff, two weeks here, and, and we're trying to figure this whole thing out. And so two weeks later... Uh, and, and by the way, you know, it probably lasted that long because, you know, I knew that I was right, you know. I did. I mean, I knew, I mean, there was not, I didn't do anything wrong. You know, there's, me and Jesus were good, you know. She just needed to repent and then everything would be fine and we would be, we would be all good. And so, and so two weeks on, on the day 14, I'm like marking these days on like Castaway or whatever. So day 14, uh, my wife and I, it's 11 o'clock at night. And my wife and I are laying there in bed, right? I'm like all the way on this side. She's all the way on this side. You know, we're like hugging the edge right here. Because, because you know, how many married people in here? How many? Okay, okay. So you know that there's like a neutral zone in the middle of the bed, right? There's like this Arctic wind. That's just going through the middle of this bed. And so you're not supposed to put anything in the neutral zone. You know, don't put a leg, don't even put a toe in the neutral zone. Don't, you ain't getting any toe tonight anyway, so don't, don't put the toe in the neutral zone, right? And so, and so I'm sitting there, and I'm fuming, and she's fuming, and it's 11 o'clock, and I'm like, gosh, forget it. I'm out of here. And so I took my stuff, and I, and I left, and I, and I went out to, uh, I went to the basketball court. I don't know why, I just, that's what I do at 11 o'clock at night, apparently. So I went to the basketball court, but I got about two houses down. I got two houses down from our house, and, and I said, God... I know that I didn't do anything wrong. I know that it has nothing to do with me. You and I are tight. We're good. You know, but if there's like a .02 chance that maybe I did something, you know, let me know. Right? Just let me know. But I, I, obviously I know that that's not true. But whatever. Whatever you want to say. Go ahead. Folks, it was like instantaneous. It was almost as if I heard an audible voice. I did not hear an audible voice, but it was almost as if I heard an audible voice that said, Rusty, it's your fault. That, that Rusty, here, here's the deal. It's, it's your fault that the reason why you have no intimacy in your relationship is because of you. That you have stopped pursuing your wife. You have stopped treating her like the princess and the gift that she is. And because of that, your relationship is in turmoil right now. And I stood there and I was like, God, obviously that's not it. And so, uh, no, I, I didn't say that. I broke, folks, I broke immediately. My face, it was just, I was just crying. And I was like, you're right. And I, and I couldn't take it. And, and I was like, wow, this is, this is all of my fault. And so I started, I started running back to the house. And thank God I was only two doors down because, man, I was out of shape, you know. And so I'm, I'm running back to the house. And I, and I climb back in bed. And, and I, just, I, get, I just hold my wife. And I just tell her, baby, I, I love you so much. I am so sorry. Forgive me. I have not treated you like the princess. I have not pursued you. This is completely my fault. And, folks, what had happened was I stopped treating her, like I said, like the gift that she really is. 
and I started taking her for, uh, you know, for granted or whatever, where, where honestly sometimes we have to be willing to either examine ourselves or ask God to examine us. And because sometimes these people in our life are, are gifts that we don't even deserve. That my wife is truly a gift that I don't deserve. And I had to come to that realization. And part of that was saying, being humble and saying, okay, God, what is it that you want me to look at in my, in my own life? Where is it that you want me to move to move forward uh, in this? And, and it was hard. You know, sometimes when I, when I read through scripture and, you know, obviously I do that a lot. I'm a pastor. I, I get paid to do that. And I'm kidding. I, I love reading through scripture. But sometimes when I read through scripture, you know, I see people in there. I see these, these men and women of, of huge faith. And I'm like, wow, these people are awesome, you know. They're amazing, amazing people. In fact, do me a favor. Think about, think about scripture right now. Think, think about it. Think about the most holy, righteous person in there. That, you know, just, just they're amazing people. You know, and don't cheat and think about Jesus. Think about somebody else in scripture, okay? Think about someone in there. You know what I'll tell you? That they were pretty messed up as well. That honestly, when we look at scripture, even though they're, they're amazing, they're also pretty messed up as well. Solomon. I don't know, maybe some of you grew up in in church, but but I think about Solomon, you know. And Solomon, as I was growing up in church, you know, they'd always teach me, hey, Solomon, Solomon was this great man of God. You know, he he was so good that God said, you could have anything. Just ask and I'll give you anything. And I'm like in fifth grade, right? And so I'm thinking, whoa, he could have like a skateboard. He could have like a Nintendo, you know. But he asked for wisdom. That was dumb. You know, but, but, but there's, oh, you could ask for anything, right? And, and because he was so in tune with God. But you know what they don't tell you? They don't tell you that he, made for, that he made treaties with foreign nations. They don't tell you that he took foreign wives. They don't tell you that he allowed idol worship in the nation of Israel. They don't tell you any of that. And yet he did. Uh, and God still used him to do great things. Still used him. Or, or I look at Gideon, right? And, and they say Gideon, Gideon was a, a great warrior. He was this awesome warrior. No, he wasn't. He was a wimp. I mean, I found him sitting in a, 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 hiding from God. He never trusted God at his word, right? He always demanded a sign. He said, no, Lord, if you really want me to do this, God's telling him what to do. But no, Lord, if you really want me to do this, then, then make this fleece wet or make it dry or whatever it is. Folks, let me tell you something. Fleeces are not a good thing, okay? They're not. Jesus tells you to do something, you do it. That's the reality. And yet I grew up thinking that these fleeces were okay. No, it's not. We follow after God. We say yes to Jesus before we even know the question. That's what we strive. That is called maturity in Christ. And yet, and yet Gideon was, was this guy that he's supposed to be this huge. He was, he was messed up. And yet again, God still used him in an amazing, amazing way. And we could go on and on with all of these people within Scripture that God used uh, within, within his word. Why? Because, because God, what he did was, he took people who were, who were making progress, not people who were, who were perfect. And it's one of the greatest encouragements that I actually find in Scripture. Because it's when, when, when we look at this, when God looks at us, he doesn't see us for who we are now. What he sees is for who we could be. Right? He sees us, this is what you could be. My son, when he, when he, when he came back down, he came back down from, from writing his paper and all that. And he came back down. And he said, Daddy, here's, here, here's my paper. And, and it looked a whole lot better and whatnot. And he said, Daddy, I, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. It really wasn't my best. And, uh, but, but I wanted to, to show this one to you. I don't, I don't know why I said what I said. I don't even know if it was right or, or whatever. But, but I looked at him and I said, Honey, you know, you know that Daddy loves you. I love you a lot. Um, 
but, but I just didn't think that that was your best. And sometimes, and this is literally what I told him, I said, sometimes uh, I think I believe in you more than you even believe in yourself. And for whatever reason, just that simple statement, there's nothing profound about that, but for whatever reason, it clicked in his head, and I could see it in his eyes, and what he, what, it, it, for, it, just, it just clicked. And he was like, wow, my daddy loves me. Like, wow, my, my daddy's in my corner. Wow, my daddy is my biggest fan. Wow, my daddy sees so much more in me than I, than I even do. And you know what he did? He hugged me. He gave this huge hug, and he said, daddy, I love you. Thank you so much. And, you know, sometimes I think that that's the way that God looks at us. Seriously. That he's not, he's not mad at you, that he's not correcting you, but he's saying, you know what, I'm just not sure that this is really your best. Let me help you in that. I want to be your cheerleader. I want to be your biggest fan. I think that's the way he really views his children. Look at what it says. And we're going to close with this. Paul says this in Philippians. He says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or, or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Folks, every single one of us has a gap, right? A gap between who we are and who we really want to become. And see, my prayer for each one of us, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, that we would walk that out, and not on our own strength. God doesn't call us to do that on our own strength. We never could. God says, I want to give you the strength in order to do it. It's the reason why his word says that his grace and his mercies are new every single day, so that we can bridge this gap and we can become more like his son, Jesus Christ. I want to pray for us in that. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much that your word rings true. I thank you, God, that, that you stand there and you're, and you're cheering us on, that you're our biggest fan, Lord, that, that you're not sitting there chastising us or, or trying to correct us or anything else, but that, you, but that you're encouraging us, that you see what we could be, and you try to help us get there. But, Father, for us, that can be difficult. It can be hard for us to surrender that unto you. And so, God, I pray for every single person in here this morning. I pray that you would give us the courage to do that. I pray that you would give us the courage to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to surrender this to you once more. Or maybe you've surrendered that to him time and time again. Do it again. Surrender again. That maybe you're doing better than you were a year ago. That you're walking along this process, that you're going along and, and you're progressing. Father, I pray that you would help us to see where it is that you're working in our life. That we could latch on to that. So we could truly try to bridge this gap and become more and more like your son, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your grace and we thank you for your mercy. And we thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.